Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. back to another instant-ish reaction edition of the Night Report podcast. Uh, I'm your co-host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is Richie Schneiderite. Uh, both of us are kind of getting over some uh, some some illnesses. So, I don't even know. Uh, yeah, we both had some kind of cold. Uh, it's totally separated, separate, but uh, Rutgers got a commitment this weekend from Jibril Abdu-Rahman. He's a defensive lineman from Canada. Uh, they also, we also had a, a visit weekend this past weekend. We had a basketball game, so there's a lot to talk about. Uh, but first, let's let's talk about what we're getting getting in this kid. So it seems like he kind of fits like the you know the Wesley Bailey mold, and I say that mainly because he's from Canada, a defensive lineman who's a little bit raw. But talk a bit about this kid. What are we getting in in, uh, in Jabril Abdul Rahman? Yeah, so I mean, first uh, first glance at his tape, he's he's super twitchy and he's really quick off the snap. Um, and I, I, I say this with all due respect. He doesn't look like he knows what he's doing, and he's still getting sacks. So, yeah. I mean, his, his potential is, like, through the roof. Like, this kid has zero clue how to play the game of football, and that's okay. That's fine. He's <laughs> still getting to the quarterback. He's still shedding the tackles, um, getting around the edge and just attacking the ball. Like, he's, I, I know it's Canada football, so it's a little bit different. It's not as – I'll say it's not as good as, like, American high school football, but – He's still getting back, getting that backfield every single time. It seems like he's uh he's really quick. I can't say enough about his twitch. Um, he's he's going to be a really good one once he just starts to learn the game a little bit more and learn how uh learn just learn like little techniques here and there. When with Marquise Watson, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty confident that he's going to learn quite a bit really quickly. I mean, look what he did with Wesley Bailey in one year. Look at what Aaron Lewis has done in the past season or past uh past year. Uh, just get him in the weight room. Kind of shape his body a little bit differently. I know he's 6'4", 240. Uh, he probably has to change some of that in the muscle, but he, he's going to be a really good one. I'm actually really confident in this uh, this pick, and I'm a little shocked after watching his tape that no one else other than like Kent State and Buffalo offered. I know there were some questions on the boards between uh, some of the posters, but I say, I'm in the same boat. Like uh, every, I'm basically saying everyone that what everyone on the board said. He's twitchy. He's quick. He has a ton of potential. Why the hell does no one else offer him? Who cares at this point? Because he's ending up at Rutgers, and uh, this is going to be a really good one for the Scarlet Knights. They're they're starting to hit the Canadian pipeline really well. It seems like. So is this the case of a kid who basically played football for one year, or has he been playing for a while? I, obviously, if you're in Canada, you're going to have less interest than a kid who's playing in the United States, just generally. Um, is, is there any specific reason that you're aware of why his recruitment might have been a little more muted? No, I mean it just seems like a lot of programs just don't recruit Canada as, as hard as, as the U S and I mean, rightfully so, because majority of these prospects are coming from the U S but um, unless you're from near where uh, near this Canada area, like, like Rutgers, like Syracuse, like UConn, like UMass um, Buffalo, I'd argue too. You're probably not really going to hit this area that hard because most of these kids probably don't want to go that far. I know uh, Penn state has a couple Canadian kids. Rutgers has obviously uh, Wesley Bailey, Renee Conga, uh, uh, who's the other one? Daryl J- uh, Jabone. Jabome. Oh, jeez, I knew I was going to fuck up a name. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's really no reason for this one. I don't get it. He's uh he has tape on his huddle from 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. Like it's it makes no sense to me whatsoever why he was this under recruited, other than the reason that most teams just don't recruit Canada. Obviously, Rutgers has a pretty good connection up there. Bob Fraser was doing it back in the day. And uh this that kind of connection with Shiano and crew has just developed over time and it's just it's still there. That pipeline <laughs> is is uh, open and strong at this point. Yeah, it seems like half of our defensive uh, line is now uh, from Canada between uh, between Jabril, between Wesley Bailey, between Renee Conga. Um, I believe Jamal Westerman's also one of the uh, – yep. isn't he a defensive line assistant too? So yep. heavy, uh, so. heavy Canadian influence there, um, which could be a nice little pipeline because – at this point, like, Rutgers really needs to find like some some edges in recruiting because it's obvious that things aren't going well with some of the highest level guys due to you know a number of reasons. You know, we haven't really played that well. Um, we don't really have the NIL resources that some other bigger schools do. So you kind of need to get creative, and this is one way to get creative: is going to areas that aren't as heavily recruited as others and finding hidden gems. Because mm-hmm. in the past, like you can go to smaller schools in New Jersey even and find and pluck kids that were just like. You know, I played for a one in eight, uh, you know, class two school in Jersey or whatever they call it, group two school. Um, yeah. And, you know, I just, you know, we didn't really have any coaches come in. You know, Rutgers makes a point to have every coach or have a coach hit up every school in New Jersey. Uh, and that's been something Shiano's done for years. But I just mean, like, you know, not everybody had huddle back 10 years ago where, like, every single kid had tape on online. So sometimes it was harder to find kids. But now that every kid can access huddle, every kid has YouTube. So yeah. there's no reason not to be discovered. It's more of like, has this kid actually been anywhere? Have have we had a coach in Montreal to go see players? Uh, do I have the connections to those high school coaches in Canada that some schools have? Um, yeah. I, I know you mentioned the NIL thing. Uh, that's the interesting too. The interesting point that he actually just told, uh, Jabril just told me uh, recently, I'm going to write this article up after we're done with this pod, but uh, he mentioned about how Rutgers pitched the idea of NIL in Canada and how he can get NIL. So if you're out of country, you can get NIL deals in your home country, but you can't get them in the U.S. There's some kind of weird stipulation there. I forget what it is exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, they, they pitched the idea of getting a bunch of NIL deals in Canada, and he, he loved that. He loved that whole entire uh, concept, and it's interesting how that works. But, uh, I mean, Rutgers is using NIL towards an advantage. I mean, they're, they're starting to get on board with it, starting to starting to click. Yeah, no, and hopefully uh, this kind of thing continues because I think Canada is a pretty fertile recruiting ground for Rutgers, and I think it can continue to to uh, you know churn up some some real really good players um, because I mean we've seen these kind of players go against us, and Christian Valu just ended up at at uh, Pitt from Penn State. Mm-hmm. We talked about Chase Claypool last time. There's a ton of kids who come out of Canada. It's just finding the right ones. Yeah, um, but had had the rest of the weekend go because we had most of our commits from this. 2023 class there uh they get they got to see a, a total beatdown uh basketball game which we'll talk about later um what are you hearing from the recruits as to how the visit went was there any visitors that were unexpected or is it just mainly just commits uh mostly just commits the other uh uncommitted prospect other than uh abdul rahman was uh chimdi ono but ono ono i'm not really sure how to pronounce any name at this point i've i've given up but uh yeah, no, he, he was on campus. He liked his visit a lot. Um, really, really good bond with Chiano. I just posted an article about him 
sounds like he's still going to stick to that February plan of signing. So I'm going to lean towards him probably not ending up with Rutgers. Uh, He plans on visiting Ole Miss at the end of January or end of January, whenever that open weekend is. I know there's like one more open weekend where kids can visit in January uh, before signing in February. So uh, he's probably going to end up elsewhere. He's, he, he added a ton of offers over the past couple of days too. He had at Maryland, Penn state, Ole Miss. Uh, I think he already had Syracuse Rutgers. Um, he keeps adding power five offers. It seems like nonstop Colorado threw an offer at him yesterday too. And uh, that, that's just Deion Sanders being a pain in offering everybody at this point. But uh, other than them, it, it all seems like everything else went pretty well. Uh, all the guys started to bond a little more. Johnny uh, Shepard was on campus. Talk to him for a little bit. He'll, there'll be an article on him uh, later today. He uh, he. We did ask him about the OC search. Uh, he did say that Shiano told him basically he's just taking his time. He wants to find the right guy, make sure it's the correct guy for this job. Uh, nothing really new to update there, but it was a good chance for most of these guys to bond that haven't gotten a chance to meet face to face yet. So like a Johnny Shepard, obviously hasn't gotten to meet most of these commits. Maybe he has on a couple of visits here and there. Um. He he was recruiting Chimdi a little bit. Uh, obviously, both of them were committed to Old Dominion. Uh, that's his main target, he told me right now, in terms of recruiting others. But uh, it, it was a good time from everything I've heard. Uh, I know Logan Blake was kind of a, not a ringleader of the group, but he was definitely doing a lot of actively recruiting. And most of these guys just connected really well. And that's that's all you can really ask for in a recruiting class. So the only two uncommitted kids, from what it sounds like, was Ramon, who's now a commit, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, Chimdi, the yep. offensive lineman from Maryland. So he is not going to sign Wednesday, right? No, he's going to sign Wednesday. Yeah. Okay, so he's probably not going to end up at Rutgers then because that was Correct. kind of – you really had to close him this weekend if you're going to land him, especially with those offers he got. And yeah. a lot of a lot of staffs, they kind of reassess after signing day to see, okay, I'm going to hold off on you know this plan B kid. I'm going to see if my plan A, who's announcing on signing day, is going to end up here. And then I'll, I'll send out a new wave of offers. Maybe that's what's happening right now is a lot of these schools realize they're probably not going to get their, you know, their pie in the sky level recruit at offensive line. So they're starting yeah. to send out their secondary feeler offers. Um, so it's tough to imagine this kid ends up at Rutgers if he's going to wait past signing day. Um, yeah, it's a tough look, especially when you have another visit already planned to Ole Miss. It sounds like yeah. they're probably in the lead for now, but we'll see what happens because Maryland's starting to get pretty hot in the recruiting trail. Um, Penn State just offered, and they want another tackle, I know. Uh, Colorado, they're just – it seems like Dion's just throwing offers at everybody at this point. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I'm not really confident in that one. Yeah. Um, and you you touched on the OC. I think we need to reiterate it, though. You have a direct quote yeah. uh, from Johnny Shepard who basically said, Chiano told him that they're not going to rush to make a hire. They're going to, you know, make sure that they find the right guy, which it's a good thing to hear. But at the same time, like, <laughs> Chiano's not stupid. He would have hired a, if if Chiano would have been able to get one of his top top. If he was able to get one of his top OC targets by now, he would have. It's clear that either they're not showing interest, or you know, things went poorly during the interview, and Chiano changed his mind. I lean towards the latter. Um, this is not an easy job to sell right now, given that, you know, Shiano's entering year four, so results are expected from him. Mm-hmm. The offensive output last year was really bad, uh, and there's not it's not like they have this, you know, surge of talent that is just kind of waiting to be tapped into for the for the next OC. 
Um, and you're seeing schools all across the country make OC hires within a week of their guy leaving or within a week of, you know, firing a guy, whatever. Like Luke Fickle got hired and less than a week later, he hires Phil Longo. And eight days later, UNC hires his replacement. So it's clear that like, if you if you can get a top guy, you're going to go do it quickly because these schools, yeah. all these schools know how important it is to, to wrap this up for not only high school recruiting, but especially portal recruiting because portal recruiting, believe it or not, is like winding down already. Like most of these guys have found places they're going to end up and have made several places. So, yeah, yeah, it's important to make the hire, but we'll see. I, I Nobody knows his, his plan, but for me, I'm skeptical right now, um, given how things have played out. Yeah, and I mean, rightfully so. It's it's um like you mentioned, it's not an easy sell for some for most coordinators. I know people are like, yeah, but it's money, and it's like, yeah, but you need a result like year one almost, and you don't have an offensive line or a struggling offensive line. You're rebuilding the entire offense for the most part. The only kind of like solidified starter you have is Sam Brown. I guess you can argue Wimsat would probably be the starter at this point, but even that's up for debate because Evan Simon and him are going back and forth all year long. It seems like. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's not an easy sell. Plus not to mention, uh, what do you call it? How many coordinators has there been in the past, like 15 years or 16 years at Rutgers? It's, it's yeah. gotta be almost 15 or 16, right? If not more, if you count nuns twice, I guess, but it's, it's, it's getting, it's a hard sell to get a guy that was like an up and comer and take a risk and go to Rutgers. It's a huge risk at the end of the day. And money's not going to solve that. Maybe if you gave someone two mil, but you're not you're not doing that. And even then, it's like you just made your first ever million dollar assistant, and that backfired completely because Sean Gleason just I don't even know what happened with Sean Gleason. He just lost his touch. But uh, yeah, it's not an easy sell. So it's gonna I shouldn't have taken this long, but it is at this point. So you have nothing to do other than sit back and just wait. Maybe it happens after signing day. Maybe it happens after the new year. Maybe it happens at spring before spring practice. Yeah, there was one rumor that Hobbs wants Shiano to wait on the OC hire until the new year. I can't really imagine that that's true. Um, I don't get the logic behind it either. Yeah, I mean, the logic might be like budgets are a yearly thing, and maybe he's trying to push off some of that that burden onto next year. I can't imagine that if Phil Longo wanted to be the offensive coordinator at Rutgers, that oh, yeah. we would have told him, sorry, can you wait until Gen 1? Because, uh, you know, the budget, you know, it's a little tight right now. No, they would yeah. they would find a way to make it work. Um, that's nah, not you, happening. You find a way no matter what. At this point, you're in the Big Ten. You're getting so much fucking money at this point. There's no reason why you shouldn't. Should it, if someone wants to go like right now, if he wants, Sean wants to hire someone, He'd hire someone. I just think it's a matter of yep. it's a tough job. It's a tough sell. And I, I hate to say it at this point, he's, he's probably been down, turned down once or twice, if not more. It's, it's, yeah. You guys had what, three, four months to interview? Like, yeah. So Gleason got fired in the middle of October. It is now middle of December. I think the last time I checked, it was 60 days. So it's probably close to like 70 okay. days now since Gleason got fired. And, you know, we've been, we're now like more than three weeks removed from the end of the season. So tough look all around. Um, Is there anything else football related you want to cover before we move to basketball? No, I mean, Chiano always has some kind of signing day. Yeah, there's always some kind of signing day surprise. So it wouldn't shock me if like out of nowhere, you just added some, I don't even know, some 
G5 commit flips had 25 power five offers at the beginning of his recruitment and they dwindled down and now Shiano's going to flip them real quick. And that, that, that always happens somewhere random. And I'm sure it's going to leak out eventually that there's probably some secret visitor that was on campus this past weekend. But I can tell you right now, no one knows at the moment if there was one, mm-hmm. but didn't seem like there was one at the basketball game. So based on a photo evidence of the uh, student section slash recruit section. And slash Instagram stories and all that good stuff. Yeah, usually they're, um, like, tagging people. That's how, like, yeah. I don't know if you saw, like, this past weekend, uh, Caden Proctor, number one offensive lineman. No one knew where he was. And then all of a sudden, Tyler Booker on Instagram is like, hey, welcome with Caden Proctor at Alabama. And it's like, oh, <laughs> look, there we go. It's too yeah, easy. Yeah, is he like, an Iowa commit? Yeah, it's too hard. He's from yeah. Iowa, too, so. It's yep. just too hard to hide nowadays, like these secret visitors. Yeah, he did a good job of it last week, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. We we sat here analyzing the picture to see, is that who is that? Is that Paris Shand? Maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah, it's like, who's oh, the wait, big guy that, <laughs> Yeah, Shiano was talking to him all the first half. Who is this? Yeah. Uh, so even oh, then, it was like secretive, but it's like, I just don't know who the face is. Like, so it's not so secretive. I don't know. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so maybe some secret visitor will have emerged from this past weekend, but just stay tuned to the boards because I'm sure if it gets brought up, it'll be revealed today at some point. Um, let's yeah. talk basketball. Rutgers is on a two-game slide. Uh, obviously, the debacle at Ohio State where, you know, we probably should have won that game. So there's going to be an asterisk on our on our record all year long, but that does yes. count as a loss. And then we followed it up with a total pants pooping at home against Seton Hall. Um, and one of the ugliest games I can remember, remember a Rutgers team playing. And they had all week to kind of stew on that. Um, you know, they, I think they literally went six days without a game, which is a pretty long break yeah. in college basketball season. Um, then we had a, a, a home game this past weekend against Wake Forest. I think Rutgers was a 10-point favorite. But that's mainly because uh, the leading scorer in the ACC, um, uh, his last name's Appleby, I forget his first name. Tyree, um, I think. Yeah, yeah uh, Tyree, Appleby. Tyree Appleby. He wasn't expected to play. He got banged up in the previous game, but he ended up playing. Uh, so that line, as the news of Appleby playing broke, that line shrank down to like seven and a half in some places. So Rutgers ended up winning 81 to 57. So just totally blew the doors off Wake Forest. Wake Forest, to credit them, though, they never really went away. Like every time Rutgers expanded that lead to 15, 17 points, they mm-hmm. fought back, they clawed back for the most part. They made it like a you know an eight point game or a ten point game, but it seems like that early lead Rutgers built, they were just able to kind of like keep that the entire game until the you know last ten minutes of the game where they just really started blowing you out. Uh, overall, yeah. I thought this was one of the best games Rutgers has played this season. Uh, defensively, they were just totally slamming the door on Wake Forest. You could tell how frustrated they were, um, so frustrated that. You know, their guard just elbowed Cliff in the nuts at one point. Uh, <laughs> what bad. did you see out of this game that really was encouraging for you? Yeah, like you said, uh, the defensive uh, performance. It's nice to see what the, this team can be when they're fully healthy and, and juiced up and ready to go. Uh, everyone was hitting shots. Uh, I guess I'll start with the defense. Cable McConnell played phenomenal. Um, I think he got that one for that early steal. Um, the entire starting lineup all had like multiple st- or double digit steal or not double digit cheat, yeah, multiple steals except Cliff, which that's fine. He's a big man. I don't expect that. But like, look, I'm looking at it now. McConnell had three. M- okay, he had three. Spencer had two. Mag had two. Uh, Cliff had one. 
they had 14 steals. Like it was, it was a phenomenal game overall. And they forced 22 turnovers. Uh, and then on the offensive side there, they were just hitting shots. Cam Spencer didn't miss. He's back, baby. I knew it was coming. It was just a matter <laughs> of time. He's a shooter. You need to let the guy shoot. I don't care how much of a yep. slump he goes in. I've seen it too many times, whether it be the NBA, whether even some of the, like I said this last time, even some of the best shooters in the world go in slumps. Joe Harris goes in slumps. I only saying that because I watch him a lot. Um, Seth Curry also goes in slumps. Steph Curry also goes in slumps. Like everyone goes in slumps. And the only way to get out of it is shoot your way out of it. He shot really well. Cliff played really well too. Um, I, I, I mean, the whole starting lineup played phenomenal. And then you got some really good bench efforts out of Wolf who didn't score much and didn't really put up a ton of stats, but he, he did well in his minutes played stuff that, uh, it's not going to show up in a, the stat sheet. Andre Hyatt was on fire at one point. I I don't know what yeah. the hell I was watching. I was like, holy shit, this guy's back. He's had a like, few moments like that this year, though, where he just will, you know, in a seven-minute stretch, he'll score like nine points and just mm-hmm. be a, a defensive stopper, too. He's, if he can string together, like, consistent performances like that, he can be really, really good. I'm glad you said seven-minute stretch because he hit that one three, that really nice three. That was contested almost, too. Mm-hmm. And then he banked the three, and I was just yep. like, Jesus, dude. Like, and then he goes, yep, that's how you know. Oh, oh, Things are going your oh, way. five. Then he goes over oh, five from three along the along the way, and I'm like, dude, what what just happened? Like, yeah. Uh, but no, really good performance from him overall. Uh, he played really well. Derek Simpson played pretty solid. Um, and then like overall, like they they're just hitting shots. Like, and I hate Caleb's mid range, but it goes in, and I'm like, whatever, it works. But uh, overall, the guys just played really well. Uh, unselfish basketball. Even Mulcahy had that one on one fast break and. Everyone thought he was going up. Even the Wake Forest defender jumped and just behind the back pass, yep. beautiful to Caleb. It's just nice vision by him. Um, and then free throws, I know the numbers say 68%, but the entire starting lineup only missed two out of 15 free throws. So they, they went 13 of 15 from free throws, and minus yeah, really Andre good. Hyatt, who went 0 of 4. There's nothing you could do there, but... He's got to get better at it because he could have had a lot. He could have had 14 points instead of 10. But, uh, yep. yeah, overall, a really good performance defensively, offensively. Uh, Three-point shooting struggles looked bad, but it really wasn't a struggle because, again, it was just Hyatt missing five in a row. But uh, overall, yeah, this is really good performance against a, a solid Wake Forest team who I don't think should be ranked number 100 in net rankings. I think they should definitely be no. better than that, and I think they're going to surprise some ACC programs this year. Now, I say that, but mind you, they're also about to play Duke, Virginia Tech, North Carolina in a row. So that's the tough yeah, part. Yeah, brutal stretch there, <laughs> for sure. But, yeah, no, good oh. win, great win. And uh, you bounce back, and here's that bounce back we kept talking about. Yeah, and they got two more kind of tune-up games before they play the number one team in the nation in Purdue, who's currently undefeated. Uh, they play Bucknell on Friday. And then I think they have a quick turnaround and play Coppin State on – no, they don't. They have, like, a week off. So they play Bucknell on Friday, and then they have a week off, play Coppin State on another Friday. So this, I think – I think this is going to be key to to kind of refocus the guys. Like, Pike can point to the Wake Forest tape and say, like, forget what we did before then. Like, this is how we should be playing. Like, allow, allow guys to kind of get, uh, get healed up a little bit because I feel like Paul – could really use the time off. You know, he, he had that shoulder injury, which made him miss like yeah. four games. Caleb, his knees probably, I've seen, I've had a few like, oh no, I think Caleb's actually hurt kind of moments recently where he like will come up lame or like 
bend his knee awkwardly. And I'm just really concerned that he actually got hurt. So it'll be nice for him to get a little bit of time off too. Um, but these are two games where you got to really tighten the screws and get ready for Big Ten play because it's coming right around the corner because play at Purdue and then follow that up with a home game against Maryland. Uh, there's a bunch of ranked teams on the schedule. Purdue is going to be a really tough game to win at Mackey. Um, but this team really just needs to kind of get their collective shit together, which I feel like they did do on, on uh, Saturday against Wake Forest. That's promising. But, yeah, not really – other than, like, you have to blow these two teams out, I don't really know what to look for moving forward uh, from Bucknell or Coppin State. What are you hoping to see? The, these two teams, you just got to dominate. You can't afford to let them even yeah. get close to you. Uh, Coppin State, I know, has uh, Sam Sessoms. Remember him? Yeah, he's State guard, quite a ride. Guard. Yeah. yeah, and then he entered the transfer portal thinking he was going to uh, going to move up from Penn State, I guess. And then when I said that uh, he was a turnover prone on a different pod, uh, someone DM'd me and told me I was wrong and I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm talking about, but I guess hmm. I was right. Weird. But, uh, hmm. yeah, I can't wait for that game. You can hear me booing from the stands. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, what do you call it? They should blow them both out. Uh, if they don't, that, <laughs> holy shit, then you got some issues. But yeah, any, any year in a good note. Yeah, Bucknell is 238th in Ken Palm, and Coppin State is 292nd. So these are yeah. not good teams. And then, yeah, I'm just looking like at the rest of the schedule. Like you said, like Purdue at Mackey is probably the hardest game on the schedule by far. Yeah. Um, they're, they're just a really good team right now. I I can't expect a win there. But the rest of the way, like, it's like Maryland's pretty good. Iowa's really good. Northwestern's even decent this year. Ohio State. Somehow you got lucky and you got Minnesota on the schedule twice, who's probably the worst team in the yeah. conference by far. Like, uh, But everyone else is ranked within, like, top 75, even top 50 for the most part. And then, like, I'm looking at Michigan State 61 right now. It says on a – I don't know if there's Ken Palm or Net. I think it's Ken Palm. But, uh, I mean, it's just tough. Like, this is just going to be an extremely tough schedule. Like, the Big Ten is no joke this year. I know everyone's like, down year, down year. No, it's it's not. Like, Indiana down, yeah, but they're still not down down. Like, they're still pretty good. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's going to be a tough, tough sledding over the next couple months to see if they make this tournament or not. Um, you just got to go 500 at least, I would say, in Big Ten play. At least. Yeah, I do think one of the more interesting matchups of the Big Ten season in general will be Zach Eady versus Cliff O'Murray because yeah. they're totally – stylistically, you can't have really two different guys in terms of the center position. Um, but they're both really good at what they do. Zach Eady's obviously been one of the breakout stars of college basketball this year. Um, just I didn't think he had this in him but watching him the last yeah, couple I. years, but uh, it's clearly just made a huge – leap in his play. So I do think it'll be interesting to see how, how we play against him because you're going to need to to double him constantly or just provide a lot of help. Um, and if Cliff can stay out of foul trouble, I actually don't hate that matchup. But obviously winning against the number one team in the nation in one of the toughest places to play is not going to be easy. So Yeah, I'm looking now. He's, he's leading the country in rebounding. Like I, I didn't see that coming yep. from this guy. This guy just was like so slow and like mm-hmm. a giant that just couldn't move his body that well. And now he's just moving around the paint pretty well. It seems like uh, 22 and 13 or 22 and 14 this year. Like he's, he's really good. You're going to have to somehow box him out nonstop. Like he just had what 22 rebounds versus Minnesota, 17 versus Nebraska, 
16 versus Davidson. Like the guy just gets every board possible. And when Cliff gets caught ball watching sometimes, which which he does, it's it's going to be tough. Like you have to literally just. Yep. I, I'm telling Cliff, like you do not move off of him. Don't look up. Just look for him. Just throw a body on him and push him out as far back as you can. Let the guards and the other and the forwards all the, all do the rebounding. Like that, that's fine. You don't need the numbers. Yeah, I That'd guarantee that one of the things Pike will be working on over these next two weeks is rebounding because he's he's talked about it. I thought Rutgers mm-hmm. looked. Really good, especially uh, rebounding against the against Wake Forest this past weekend. I, I believe that through like the first, uh, I forget what it was, but I, it, I think it was through like the first like twenty five minutes of that game. Purdue had, I mean, I'm sorry, Wake Forest had like less than uh, ten rebounds in the entire game. Yeah, it was just like everything was going to Rutgers, um, which has not been a thing uh, throughout the season so far. So. And it's not like, in fairness, Wake Forest is like the lengthiest team to begin with. Um, but they were Rutgers out rebounded them, uh, thirty-two to twenty-five. It, obviously, it tightened up as the game kind of got closer to the end. But uh, yeah, Rutgers just totally dominated them on the boards. The numbers don't really kind of indicate how dominating it was of performance. Um, yeah, and no, hundred percent. One of their main bench guys is uh, Bobby Clintman, who's a freshman who Rutgers recruited hard. I forgot about him. Uh, yes, you're right. I forgot about. They him. also had a. Jeez. They also had a transfer starting from Andrew Carr, who's from the area. He's from Westchester, PA, and uh, he, he played his first two years at Delaware. Um, so yeah, very transfer heavy uh, roster. I'm a little shocked. Yep. Like uh, I know Appleby was hurt, quote unquote, but the man, the man looked good. He looked pretty healthy. Yeah. So I don't know about that. Yeah, they got some great shooters on that team. Uh, that kid Monsanto, he took 12 threes and he made six of them. But it, it felt like any time that they were getting the ball, they were just almost for sure. They were, they were getting a lot of clean looks, I'll say, um, at, at the same time as our defense playing well. Mm-hmm. I think I saw a stat that Rutgers has held like 11 of the 12 opponents it's faced this year. Or, or sorry, 10 of its first 11 opponents to below its seasonal scoring average. I think the only team that's scoring above that? that scored above is Temple. Um, so Rutgers just continues to just look like an elite defense. Um, yeah, that, pre- that pretty much adds up. I mean, it's it's like I said, this this team is control. I said this last year. I said it's the year before. I think I said it the year before that. This team controls its own destiny at this point. Um, obviously, they didn't do themselves any favors with those two losses. Um, Three, no, four losses. I guess all four were kind of bad because you probably should have won the Ohio State one. I know everyone wants to say, like, oh, yeah, but when the committee looks, like, they're going to look and be like, that that was a win. And then it's like, no, they're not going to look at it as a win. They might look at it a little less than, a, like, as a loss, but it's still a loss at the end of the day. Um, and then they're not going to look at the Seton Hall one as, like, yeah, you know, they were just down because they got screwed from the game before. No, they got they lost. Like, that's I hate to say it, but. And then the Temple one's a legitimate loss. Like, those are two Q3 losses. Those are huge, yep. especially because the good news is, is that they could they could change. Seton Hall's on a like upward trajectory a little bit, but then they just lost to Providence, so there's that. It's hard to tell. Like, if these teams – you basically, I don't – you don't want to root for those guys, but you want to root for – after you play these guys, you'll never play them again, and they're not in your conference, root for them. Root for them against yep. to win every game from here on out. Now, obviously, it's not working because Temple lost to UPenn. Temple lost to Ole Miss. Ideally, they bounce back a little bit. Seton Hall ideally bounces back a little bit too. I know it's your rival, and you don't want to root for them. But now that you lost to them, you want to root for them. So, 
make your yep. schedule or your your uh, resume look a lot better. Yeah, like it seemed like UMass Lowell, like they're outside of Rutgers, they're eleven and one, so they have an eleven two record overall, which is obviously a great thing. They're they're they could potentially be a tournament team this year. Um, yeah, Ken Palm. I don't know if anyone's spent a lot of time on there, so if you have, my apologies because I'll just re- be repeating stuff. They have a lot of different metrics <laughs> you can look at. One is luck, um, which is basically like, um, just like how many you know loose balls you get, like bad calls, etc. Uh, Rutgers is in the bottom ten for in terms of the most unlucky teams this year. They're three fifty six out of three sixty three. So oh, yeah, wow. luck also is not like something that's stable. <laughs> like yeah, you're go- you're going if if you're very unlucky at points, it's going to kind of regress to the mean at some point. So you can imagine that Rutgers will get a little luckier with stuff moving forward, or maybe it'll just balance out a little bit. Um, so I just I thought that was interesting. Um, Number four in uh, defensive efficiency too. It's, it's, yeah, one of the best much more. defensive teams in the country in terms of like overall Ken Palm rankings. Uh, the the top three defenses are all on top four overall teams, except for Rutgers, who's 28th on Ken Palm. It's a pretty good company there. Uh, Tennessee has the best defense. Uh, Houston has number two, and Connecticut, UConn has number three. Um, they might be the best team in the country. I know, like, Purdue's number one technically, but UConn's just blowing people out. I'm shocked at the job that uh, Dan Hurley's doing there. Um, like, they blew out that... Oregon. Go on. No, I just – nobody's really been able to kind of recreate the, the Calhoun magic. And I know that Kevin Ollie won that one title in, like, 2011 or 2012, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But that quickly fizzled out. I think he even won it as, like, a seven seed or an eight seed. So it's not yeah. like he was a, a one seed with a bunch of one and dones. But, yeah, they've just been just just pasting teams. Um, they've only it's... played two road games so far. So that's kind of uh, one thing to take a look at. They've only played at Florida and at Butler, but yeah, they both both games they won by over twenty. So it's not like they've they played been bad a, on the road. That neutral site tournament too, that Phil Knight Invitational, which which they won. They beat that's when they beat Oregon and Alabama. But um, like, hey, I said it last time. If you're if you're the Big Twelve, hear me out. It makes a lot of sense. Got nothing to lose. Yeah. Uh, Give West Virginia a little rival kind of thing. It's probably about as far east as they go, right? Yeah, West Virginia. West Virginia is currently as far east, I believe. <clears throat> or Cincinnati, I don't know. Oh, I forgot. Cincinnati pretty good about geographical too. stuff. I think. Uh, yeah, I think Cincinnati is further west, though. Wish I had a map. Yeah, I don't know. They, they might be right. Which. I mean, hey, it makes sense if you even just for hoops purposes. Like they're just a good team for hoops. Yeah, wouldn't add them for football, obviously. But then, then again, hey, you know what? Six win football team. Who am I to say? Sure, they kind of outperformed every everybody's expectation under uh, Jim Moore year one. So they've got a little bit of momentum. Um, see how things go for them. Is there anything else you wanted to hit on before we uh, signed off today? Uh. Not that I could think of. Uh, pretty big bowl game today. I just looked up uh, UConn Marshall. <laughs> okay. Plus 12 and, plus 12 and a half UConn. And, uh, that starts at 2.30. I'm not going to say plus 12 and a half UConn might be the bet of the day. Don't take my gambling oh, advice, but that, that might be the bet. <laughs> that might be it. That might be the turnaround I need. I've, I've uh, been on a little bit of a heater lately. 
Um, so yeah, can't really complain. Giants screwed me over yesterday. I mean, I I bet they on screwed them. You? I had a parlay, and all I needed was two more yards, two more yards from Darius Slayton. That's mm. it. And that was the parlay. Yeah, he, uh, he didn't really do anything the first half, right? He had like all uh, his yardage in the second half. Yeah, it was all like short passes too. I mean, Daniel Jones had a couple drives where it was just like, "Holy, who the hell's that guy?" Like, that like gives yeah, you hope. The, gives you hope, Rutgers fans, because if Wimsat, if if Daniel Jones can do it, maybe the right OC Wimsat can do it, and that's it. That's it all you need. Yeah, it's going to take a very creative mind, but we'll see. The bottom of the NFC playoff picture, man, that is rough oh, sledding. Eighty-eight percent chance we make it now. 88% chance, yeah, but I just mean, We're like, back. you you basically win the right to go out to Santa Clara and get your fucking doors blown in by the, the 49ers. Yeah, that's I what I was kind of hoping would, the Vikings hold guys, on to that. Try, yeah, I would, I would be praying that either you find a way to be the seventh seed and the Vikings hold on, or the Vikings continue to kind of do this weird, like, bipolar thing and end up as the three seed. Um, well, that's the thing. You play the Colts or the Vikings, the Colts. And the Eagles. Eagles 17 might bench people because they That's need to true. be healthy, but Sirianni's too cocky for that. I don't think he'll do it. Uh, the I, Colts, you could be down 40 nothing, and you could win that. And then uh, the Vikings, like you just said, they're, they're dysfunctional. So hear me out. I think if the Eagles have the number one seed locked up week 18, they do not play their starters, personally. As an Eagles fan, I think... There you go. They could even have it locked. If they beat the Cowboys next week, they have the number one seed locked up. But they also, the following week, play New Orleans. And the Eagles have New Orleans pick. So I can't imagine that they just uh, start sitting guys right. two weeks out because they'll also have the bye. Because, I mean, if you, as a, as a football team, don't play football for a month, you're not going to look good. And you can't, just, you can't just go almost a month without playing football. So I think 18, they'll sit and then they'll have the bye, they kind of get right, but I can't imagine them sitting three weeks straight. Oh, Not crazy. Hey, hear, hear me out. Maybe maybe we just we sneak that five seed. That's Who knows? Happen. No, probably not. But the Cowboys I just hope, the, hope the Vikings ahead, just yeah. stay right there and just don't move, and we stay at the six, and that's it. Just call it quits. Like, And we might win a playoff game, and then we'll get our asses kicked in the next round. <laughs> so Yeah. But a, but a good building year for you guys. Not, uh, oh, yeah. Nothing to I mean, be ashamed Kayvon, of. Cave on Thibodeau, man. Guy's pretty good. Man, he I, had a I game. trust this. Like, when you, it's just crazy what happens. Like, this, this entire offseason, we were just like, eh, question, I don't know, new staff again. Woohoo, let's try mm-hmm. it again. And then it's like, you know what? This this coaching staff knows what the hell they're doing. And that's what I'm saying. You get a good OC. And this, this I mean, it's a Rutgers Bowl team next year. They have, they have the Maybe. schedule lined up. So, we'll see. Yeah, no. I think we need to to really see it before you did. I'm sure you didn't believe this was going to happen as a Giants fan until you saw it. So I think no. yeah. I, as a Rutgers fan, and everyone else is going to need to see it before they believe it. Um, yeah. So we'll see. But that's all I got. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't already, shoot us a five star review if you like what you're hearing. Subscribe on YouTube. All these go up on YouTube as well. And Richie puts up all the different. Uh, press conferences, all the different videos you might want to see as a Rutgers fan go on the YouTube channel, which is just Rutgers Football One. So give us a subscribe yep. there. Really appreciate you guys listening to us. Uh, we'll have more episodes before the end of the year, but um, they'll kind of be sporadic. 
uh, due to the holidays and due to, you know, us not knowing what's going to happen. Yes. Uh, commitment That's true. the OC <laughs> hire. We will have something if the OC gets hired as soon as humanly possible. Um, even if it's yeah. on a holiday, we'll try and make it work. Um, oh, but I don't know about that one. <laughs> well, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll figure it I, out. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right. For me and Richie, it's been another edition of the Nightport Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.